You are listening to highlights from One Plan podcast interview with Rowan Snyder, the co-founder and CEO of La Compostiere. So you have this, you know, very exciting, involved initiatives around composting. But just for those of us who aren't initiated or haven't begun their composting plans, you just tell us, you know, what composting does for the environment. You know, what kind of benefits do we see? Well, the idea about composting is that you take organic waste and give that a treatment that it actually decays into a reusable good. So you don't let it rot which actually creates gases and other stuff that's not so good for the the soil. You let it decay in a way that is actually contributing to building up more living soil layers. In a natural situation, this happens by itself. Leaves or other organic matter, like dead bodies of animals, they will be partly eaten by animals and other organisms that feed off that. And then in the end, it gets totally breaking down by soil organisms and then becomes part of the living soil. But because we now are using agricultural techniques that actually take a lot out of the the land, it's very good to also give back. So especially in cities, we there's a lot of people living on small areas that feed themselves with stuff we get from the land. But then in cities in general, the organic waste is then not given back to where it came from. So in a lot of cities worldwide, you will see that organic matter will be actually burned, as we do in the Netherlands, or that it's been put into landfills. And in landfills, it also creates dangerous situations, creating gases and other pollutants that are not beneficial for the the environment. So when you compost, and especially when you do it on small scale at your own home, or maybe as I am trying to facilitate by building worm hotels for communities, when you do it in a group, but still local and small scale, you are taking responsibility for the organic waste that you are actually producing by going to the grocery shop and buying the vegetables and fruits that you need to feed yourself and your family. But then you are going to transform the the leftovers into new soil. And I hope also to inspire and to also facilitate city residents that they can make their own soil then to also grow food in cities. Because I believe that we cannot only depend on big agriculture. We also need to take more responsibility again to grow our own food and to get back into the connection with where our food comes from. And in this way, by making your own soil, you can also feed your own garden and then grow food. You made a very interesting point about how people should know where their food come in, because I I remember there's a joke um, about a kid growing up in a city and people ask him, where does your food come from? He will say it comes from a supermarket rather than a farming land. And and I think that kind of represents a distance created, an artificial distance created between humans and nature. And you can even find this distancing in academic literatures when we kind of separate ourselves from nature as a whole, when we are actually part of nature. Totally. So I feel like, do you think that this distancing plays a role in human valuation? Like how much do people actually value nature is dependent on how distant they are actually from nature? And do you think that by putting in warm hotels that create their own compost and let them work on community gardens, this can actually uh, shift people's mind? 
Yeah, I think you make a really good point. I think with technology moving forward so fast and now even with sequencing uh, genome strings, like it seems like technology thinks it can actually build food. So like in science fiction, you will have the machine that gives you like the little cube and then when you put it in your mouth, uh, it tastes like a chicken and apparently in the film, you get all the stuff you need. But what I think they're missing is that we are not all the same. Like we are all unique. I think we are not separate from our environment. Maybe we are actually like maybe in the big picture, we are all one. I believe that we are experiencing ourselves unique and separate beings. But I think in the, in the big picture, we are all really one, one consciousness. But on the level where we are different, we are also getting different experiences and we are communicating with our environment. And, and also we are evolving all the time. So we're learning and we're involving and we're wishing and we're creating. But once you start just giving everybody, let's say, the exact same copy tomato, I don't think it's going to be a very healthy situation. So I think it's very good that one tomato gets different food because uh, a bird died next to it and it decayed on the ground. And that was actually fed by the bird. And then I picked the tomato and I eat the tomato and it's going to be a different tomato for me than it would be for you. And in that way, we keep learning from our environment. And I hope, and, and I see that happening, is that the worm hotels, as simple as they are, they are giving people the chance to take a look at some processes that are very normal, but a lot of people in cities stopped evaluating. So yeah, yeah, I think it's very important. Yeah, and what's interesting is we thought that, you know, we used to think, oh, the leaves that fall from the trees, you know, it's like a waste. We, we would think about that in the past, but really it's so amazing. Trees are so amazing on so many levels and worms, what they do, what they transform, what they consume into something even more nutrient rich. It's just an amazing process. Tell us a little bit about that process. Totally. Well, I must first of all say I've only started learning about this by doing, I'm not a biologist. I just needed to come up with a solution for my own garden and then started learning about composting. And one of the things that fascinated me from the beginning is that going back in time, long time ago, this place, where, which we call Earth, was a bare rock, basically. And from somewhere life came and it started to sort of like live off this rock and oxygen and the water and then decay the rock and soil started becoming little by little soil was built up mostly also by all the organisms that lived before us and died so i think it's a beautiful thing that life is all the time creating a new actually if you let life do its thing it's creating a better and better situation for itself i i think that is the case so like you said the trees they grow a lot of leaves in abundance and then at some point they they don't need them anymore they need to actually let go of them to prevent themselves from losing too much water in the winter time and then these leaves are actually adding to the living soil and the soil life which is very important for the tree itself can feed on the leaves so it's not just a, a cycling but it's a giving and taking situation so over time in evolution and again i'm not an expert on this topic but i just know a little bit about the story that soil organisms like fungi and bacteria and then the bigger organisms like eventually the worms and and others they help the plants by cycling minerals and or getting organic matter and by living close to the root systems so then the trees they get what they need from the sunlight and from the air 
and the water, but what they cannot get from there, they get from the soil and from the soil life. I have a question. Like you make a very interesting use of term closing the circle, and I feel like what you are doing is kind of creating a circular economy within a city, particularly focusing on the food sector. So I wonder, like people like you, I consider them to be kind of like this grassroots sustainability movement. So I wonder, like, do you see how the local municipal government has kind of been inspired by? Your actions or other grassroots sustainability movements' action to incorporate some ideas into their own agenda. Yeah, well, I, I don't know worldwide how it is, but I think it's pretty much the same everywhere. That organic waste is a big topic in in still to tackle like a problem or challenge how you want to see it for communities for cities, because a big part of the waste is organic waste. And it's very heavy to to move around. There's a lot of water in it, and it's actually a, a very expensive to collect it and and burn it or or bury it. What I see is that in ne- the Netherlands, the municipalities they are very open for creative solutions. So they give chances to people that come with solutions, and they work. They also are willing to embrace them. In the city of Amsterdam, they are now. Trying to make that bigger, and so to implement more worm hotels in offices, it's still on a small scale, but I see that it's growing. And I think what you will see if it grows more, that more companies will start coming up with industrial level solutions. So you see now small scale companies doing pickups of different types of waste, and then giving a local, trying to monetize it locally. So, for instance, growing mushrooms on coffee grounds or collecting old paper is is like already a very famous example, for instance. But I think there will be more and more of that urban mining kind of solutions. Yeah. And this is also important because it feeds into what we recognize as the need for regenerative agriculture. You know, how do we? actually add those nutrients back into the soils. Those of us that are, I guess, paying attention and care, we realize that we have really just robbed the soil. And if the soil, which we hadn't, you know, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, a lot of people weren't think, even thinking about soil, mm-hmm. but it has such an effect, not just for our diet, just, you know, the animals that live. So we have to really think about our whole conception of what is farming and what these spaces should look like. And that's really interesting. What are some of those farming solutions that you've seen within Amsterdam or in your travels that that are exciting? Well, what I find very interesting is people that start doing urban farms, and it can be very technical farms with LED lights and with vertical farms. But it can also be rooftop farming. In New York, there's a lot of beautiful examples. In the Netherlands, there's a few examples. What I like about that is that it brings the production of the food close to where the people live again. So that, that I find very interesting. Then also what I find very interesting is the food forest concept, which is now still being studied. And there's a few studies now in the Netherlands where they want to see if they can do it on a more industrial level. Not necessarily like industry, I think is the wrong word, but to make it on a level that it becomes very productive and also produce food for bigger groups of people. So that I find very interesting. The whole concept of that is that it's more about living together with nature and not it's the, the humans that just think about themselves and try to get the best out of everything, but don't give back. In that way, I always love the, I don't know much about American Indians, but some of the stories that I've heard is how they always treat their surrounding as part of themselves. So they would call it brother mountain or a brother sky, or I don't know what the names exactly that would give to it, but it's, it feels much more like you treat it as family and that I find very beautiful. 
Yeah, that's so interesting. And that also runs through a lot of indigenous people's relationship to nature is that they don't ever feel that they own it. In fact, when it was proposed sometimes to them that they have to claim ownership, it's an alien concept that they had to be convinced. Yeah, yeah, I find that already, that says so much that you don't even have the concept of ownership. In the Netherlands, where I've grown up, you would see gardens and they're all boxed in, like everybody is boxing themselves in. And I find it such a strange concept. Maybe that could be one of the things that would make a difference if we give up the whole idea of ownership. But yeah, I think that's a tough one. Is giving up ownership is, is, is a strange, even socialism is difficult for some people. Yeah. And Kevin, you're interested in this rebound effect. I want to ask you what kind of challenges you might face in your whole process in doing this warm hotel project. And particularly on, on the rebound effect, because I read this on an article somewhere that when you actually put the means of disposing waste, people might think that they have an excuse to actually produce more waste. So I wonder, like, what is your idea on this topic? Well, let me answer the last one. I think... Well, my personal experience is that once I started composting, I started becoming much more conscious about all my ways. And so I think it has a positive effect on that. So I don't think people will start making more ways because then they can dispose of it in a responsible way. Another thing about it, if you look at nature, in nature, there's just no waste. And Mia already said it, like trees, they actually produce like tons of waste, if you want to call it that. It's just not waste. So it's just about what you produce and then what function it gets after that. You can produce all the waste you want, then you can make somebody else very happy with it. So I don't think you necessarily have to look at minimizing your waste all the time. So that's one thing. Then what trouble I had, like, well, you name it, I had it. Like, it's not easy to start with something like this, but I think what you need is the will to learn and also not to be too afraid to make faults. Of course, you run into like, very strong opinions. So in the beginning, if you say, oh, I'm going to build a worm hotel and put it on the corner of your street, then the first three things is like, oh, isn't it going to stink? Aren't there going to be rats? And isn't somebody going to destroy it? So far, nobody destroyed my worm hotels. So that's a positive thing. Do I encounter sometimes that one of the worm hotels produces like an odor? Yes. If, if the people don't use it well, then it can produce an odor and you need to fix it. So if you work with people, and especially if you work on an issue that a lot of people are facing and they understand we need to come up with a solution for it, then they're more willing to learn with you. Did I have rodents or other pest animals invasions? Yes, I had them too sometimes. Do I promote that? No, I don't. But I do promote that I come up with a solution. So I've been happy and lucky to to get the chance to experiment with my ideas and to also experiment in a way that I could learn one by one. Like some designers that will come up with an idea and then they will need to produce immediately, I don't know how many of the same thing because it needs to stay under a certain production price. So I had the chance to just build one and then learn from the uses of it. And then I could change it the next time I build it. So in that way, every time it got a little bit better. And now I can very happily say there's some worm hotels that are in function now for seven years and still running well. Some are groups of 20 households, some 30. There are some schools, there are some restaurants. And I am just amazed how much they actually digest. So I don't have exact numbers. 
I would like to calculate that of how much tons of organic waste have been composted by now in the warm hotels, but it must be really many. That's great, because then you have the investment of the communities that it serves. Uh, other people would take another route, like maybe going to venture capitalists. I don't know if that was something you considered or are considering. Well, I am I'm at a point that I would like to grow. So far, I've been doing all the work on my own with the help of some people left and right. At this moment, I made, how do I say it? The, the idea is to, to train more people to learn how to do what I do. So for different regions, there will be different compostiers and they will set up their own networks of warm hotels. So it would be very interesting for me to train people from different cities in Europe, for instance, and to set up warm hotel networks in Berlin or Paris or London and to also have them produced locally. That would be where I hope to grow to. And to realize that, yes, I would need more capital than I have at the moment. So if there's somebody listening that has something on the shelf, it's very welcome. So as you think about the future, and it's something that's ever present on our mind, and education, and the cities we live in, our systems, and how you'd like to improve them, you know, what do you choose to prioritize in terms of making changes? And what would you like young people to know, preserve, and remember? Wow, that's a lot. Well, so first of all, no, we are not separate, but that we are part of it. So to not even think of what is the benefit for me from it, but maybe even more, I find it a very beautiful concept of the food forest. Like you're actually building soil and then just the surplus is that you get some food back. So maybe to focus more on giving than on taking, Yeah, especially for children. I, I think what, what I like to teach my children and also what, what I would say to students, if there would be, if I would give a talk about my work is to really look at what is your talent and what drives you and and how you think you can use that to improve and to create a more harmony that I think is very important. Do not think so much about what others expect from you, but what is really driving you. I think that's very important to find out and go for that. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this program. If you would like to get involved in One Planet Podcast, or learn more about environmental projects, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.